Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. So we got our first factor meals and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef crafted dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how factor meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low calorie Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. Let's get into today's episode. If it is creative career success that ye seek, the three creative career journeys you must complete. The journey of the gift, the journey of the craft, and the journey of innovation. If ye has yet to find the success that ye seek, It is one of these journeys you've yet to complete. I'm stroking my beard, twisting my mustache. You get it? Back in the summer, We did a Kickstarter for this thing I called the Creative Career Path. It was a seven-step process to creative career success, striking the balance between business and art. Um, You could call it the balance between authenticity and resonance with an audience. And I have the seven-step process that I developed over the past couple years We did a Kickstarter, raised about $30,000 to uh, print this little handbook that goes along with the podcast series we did at the beginning of last year. I think it's episode 171 to 176. And I also offered some personal pep talk uh, coaching calls, some portfolio reviews and strategy, strategy sessions. And I've just finished up all of those, I believe. Maybe one or two is lingering. We They're kind of hard to get into the schedule, but um, we scheduling those out. And it just occurred to me as I'm working through this process with these various people that I deeply believe in this process. And it's not because I think I'm so smart or clever, but it's because I forever see this process lived out by those creatives that have hit their purpose or their inflection point, their tipping point, that moment where everything starts working. And they and I listen to these podcasts with artists and comedians and writers and actors, and they all tell the same story. And it's the story that I uh, cataloged in this creative career path. And then as I'm explaining it to these people over the calls, I'm realizing that 
it's probably necessary to explain some of this in a totally different way and hit it from a few different angles. And actually, I have some in the future that I'd like to explore, but I have one now that I want to share with you. And basically, it is the first three steps of the creative career path, but I want to explain it in a different way and actually focus in on it and help you identify which of these three parts, which of these three journeys are you stuck on? Because it's my belief and it's my experience and it's what I've seen and witnessed that if you go through these three journeys, you will hit your inflection point. You will hit that moment where everything starts working. And, and in my mind, what it looks like to me is if you go through these three journeys as a creative person, it's where it's that moment in the hero's journey where all of a sudden it hits them. And the, it's what we've been talking about in past episodes where their eyes change and they believe in themselves and they're feeling in the flow state. And they're like, you know, it's when Neo's one step ahead of the agents from the Matrix and he can actually have his arm behind his back and he's just, all the moves are just coming to him. And uh, Mihai Chick Sent Mihai says in his book, um, Flow, he says that it's like the songs write themselves because you're so in that inflection point, so in that sweet spot, that it's just your subconscious is doing the work for you. And it's been my experience, and it's been what I've witnessed, that getting to that state requires three journeys. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. I'm going to describe all three journeys, and you're going to do a self-diagnosis, a self-audit, to say which of these journeys have you yet to complete. So the three journeys are the journey of the gift, the journey of the craft, and the journey of innovation. And if you are not feeling in that flow, if you feel like things are out of whack, if you feel like you haven't quite hit it yet, it is my assumption that on some level, you haven't gone on all three of these journeys. So that's what this episode is about. And I, one of the things I wanted to articulate was that this, I, you know, this, uh, this came to me and this all clicked for me when I was at the blackboard teaching a class at, at an art school and I was showing them, we were reviewing all these artists that had clearly found their sweet spot, found that transcendence, uh, as a creative where it was just working and they were in their sweet spot and they, and they started, you know, people got what they were doing. Don't you want people to get what you're doing? Don't you want that? Oh, man, that's the good stuff, that resonance with an audience. And I was just showing them videos, and we were looking at these web pages, and we were studying everybody that seemed to have this X factor. And at some point, I was going over one of the videos, and it just clicked. And all three parts of this process, the gift, the craft, and the innovation, I saw it clearly for what it was. And that was one of the first real seeds to unearthing this process. And since then, I see people living out this process. I was listening to the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, him interviewing Billy Eichner. And actually, this happens all the time, but it was so apparent in this interview. And Billy Eichner tells his story. If you don't know, it's Billy on the street. He's also, I think his name's Craig in Parks and Rec, and he's really loud. And... uh 
<laughs> I regret it every day of my life. Uh, that's a terrible. That's not even considered an impression. That sounded, I don't know what that sounded like. Anyway, Billy Eichner, hilarious, angry, guy on the street interviewing people. I love this guy. He's going to be Timon in the new Lion King. Anyway. I digress. He's in this interview with Mark Marin, and he literally goes through step one to step seven of the creative career path. He talks about finding his gift, finding where it fits, finding how it's different, creating a goal, creating a project, finding a weak spot, an entry point into the market, and then slowly but surely working it into his ultimate goal. And I hear this process from people who have found that creative transcendence over and over and over again. And actually, I think there's a simpler way to explain it, which is what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the three journeys you must go on. All three of these journeys require you working it out in the work, not just going it going on these journeys in your heart or in your mind, not just navel gazing and trying to figure it out, you know, with a career aptitude test in an afternoon or by looking yourself deeply into the mirror, which every once in a while I catch myself in the mirror and do that. So, you know, I can go months and months and months without really. Have you ever just looked at yourself for real? I mean, the person behind your eyes. (laughs) I don't know where this is going, but uh, that was weird. Uh, But uh, I want to. Rec- we're gonna we're gonna go deep into not just thinking about it, but working it out in the work. Because each one of these journeys, you have to do it through a process of making stuff. It's an active process. It's an active journey. Boots on the ground, eyes on the stuff, doing it. We're gonna talk about working it out in the work at the end of this episode. But let's go to journey one. Now, remember, you're supposed to identify. Which of these journeys have you really yet to complete? And identify which one it is, and then develop a project or a body of work that will help you bridge this gap and break through and complete this journey so that you can move on to the next one and find your creative transcendence. Let's do it. first journey that a creative has to complete to find their creative transcendence is to find their gift. Now, what is your gift as a creative person? What do I mean by that? I mean your innate specialness. What makes you special as a person in terms of your DNA and your experience or all the stuff on a molecular level, the thing that's on this planet right now, why is it rare? Why is it different? What's special about it? Now, I'm a big, 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 big believer in the growth mindset. So the growth mindset comes from a person named Dr. Carol Dweck. She has a book called Mindset, and it's virtually growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show before. Just a quick summary Growth mindset means that you believe that your abilities and who you are has the potential for dramatic growth. And so when you hit a challenge, you think, ooh, goody, a challenge, a chance for me to get better, even if I fail. Now, if you have the fixed mindset, you think your basic abilities, your talents, your skills, your intelligence, whatever, is fixed. You only It's like in every test, every challenge is a pass or fail. And if you fail, it means you don't got it. Right, So when this comes to creativity, it might be like, 
if you know, when I was doing public speaking for the first couple of times, I failed big time. And my fixed mindset said, don't do public speaking because you clearly suck at this on a molecular level. No chance to change. Don't do it anymore. It hurts because it makes you feel terrible because you don't have any ability to grow. Now, I'm glad that I didn't stay in that fixed mindset because public speaking ended up being one of my main things. And that only came from having a growth mindset saying, if I keep working at this thing, then I can get better at it. And so one of the things I don't like about this discussion about the gift, finding your gift, is that it can get you into the two, it can get you too far into the fixed mindset, too focused on talent and innate strengths and not enough on your ability to grow. But actually, I think it's unavoidable and it is important to think about what innate built-in advantages do you have as a person? Because building on that as a foundation is the smartest thing. If you suck at math, if you were just, you know, all through school, you sucked at math, it's not the growth mindset to go into the field of accounting or finance, right? That's just stupid. And so I, it's been my experience that your DNA, your experience, your molecular, molecular uh, substance that's pulsing through your atoms in this bag of molecules that you call a person uh, using its innate disposition to your advantage, understanding what your strengths are, understanding what your gift is, is the truest, best way to start your journey. And if you don't have a sense of what makes you special versus other people, other creative people, if you don't know what you're talented at, what you have a special taste for, if you don't understand that, you need to go on this journey. If you're not sure that you, you know, out of 150 people, you'd be the best at this thing. Like maybe not in the world, because we'll get to how you don't have to be the Michael Jordan, you can be the Dennis Rodman kind of thing, where you know you don't have to be the best basketball of all time, basketball, blah, 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 best basketball player of all time to go into the NBA, right? But you do have to be good. You do have to have an innate, you know, it, a lot of people say anybody can be creative. Well, everybody has the potential to participate in creativity, but not everybody is especially creative. Now, don't let that get your fixed mindset moving. We're like, oh, am I creative? Look, you can learn it. You can find a place where you can thrive. But it, saying everybody be, can be a creative is the same way as same thing as saying everybody can be an athlete. Not true. Not everybody's an athlete. Everybody can do some athletics. But not everybody is an athlete. And so we got to figure out where are you, where's your strengths as a creative athlete? Does that make sense? That's the first journey. You've got to figure out what are some of your real base talents and strengths. And I have some questions that can help you on this path as you go to, do the, to work it out in the work. Obviously, talent. What have you have talent for? What have you noticed that you're just naturally better than others? What's your taste? What do you have good taste in? What do people ask you for recommendations in? Knowing what's good in any given medium, music, like I feel like uh, a lot of, you know, music or, you know, you can make hit music without knowing how to play an instrument if you know what's good, right? And that's taste. You know, Gordon Ramsay, when he's asked, what do you look for in a chef that, you know, could be a great chef? 
people. It starts with the foundation of taste. They have to have a palate. Not everybody's palate is sensitive enough to pick out different ingredients and know what's good. And if you don't know what's good, you can't make good food. So you've got to have that innate talent of, a ta- of taste, the innate palate, talent, taste, uh, taste, talent, tolerance. What do you find yourself just being able to tolerate an enormous amount of? My buddy Kyle Shealy does a talk about uh, finding your creative gift, and he talks about how he noticed that he could watch this Wayne White documentary over and over and over about this guy who makes cardboard stuff and uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse set and does these paintings and whatever. And he could watch this documentary a million zillion times, way more than his wife and probably way more than anyone in the world. And that was just the tolerance. There's just ridiculous tolerance to go deep on something. What about temper? What makes you mad? Sometimes, you know, your taste and your temper is kind of connected where what makes you mad is like really, really bad stuff. Like are there, maybe if your talent uh, and your gift is music, bad music just drives you completely mad. So for me, one of my talents is not being boring. You know, I have a lot of weird kind of almost borderline tics in terms of my weird behavior and the and I can barely talk in a the same inflection point for very long. It's I'm always just mixing it up and being weird. Why? Because I have ADHD. And it's one of my my temper is anything that's boring. I hate boredom. And if you hate boredom, you can be entertaining. Now I might not be funny. I might not be uh I might not be hilarious. I might not be profound, but I but I can be entertaining it just in so far as I'm not boring. And I definitely am not boring. You might hate me, but I won't bore you. And that, what my temper goes off, I hate boredom. No, no boredom. So it could be, what makes you mad? That could be a clue about where to explore your gift. And so the first journey you gotta go on is to find your gift. It's the journey of, of the gift. It's the journey of finding your strengths. It's the journey of knowing what do you have a base foundation of talent in. Now, it doesn't mean that you it doesn't mean that you're already amazing at this thing and ready to be a pro in it or you're ready to compete with the big dogs. It's just the foundation. And the, if you're stuck there and you, don't, you haven't really worked that out, you don't have a clear sense of the value you can provide humanity by your specialness, your, you know, your DNA, the rarity of your DNA, then you need to work it out in the work. You need to do a project. You need to come up with a hypothesis. And you need to work it out in the work. We're going to get to that at the end. But if you don't have a clear sense of what is actually special about you, and here's the thing about that. Let me just go into this real quick. Something I see a lot of times where people haven't really found their gift is it goes back to this quote. You hear me say a billion times. It's the Joseph Campbell quote. And it's the, the, the cave we fear to enter holds the treasure we seek. And one of the reasons why people avoid going on the first journey, why they avoid going into that cave. Then the cave is the question, what's my gift? As they believe that the cave is empty. They're afraid that there is no gift, that they don't have any talent. And so they've survived this far by BSing their way. And they're afraid if they actually ask themselves, what am I actually good at? What value can I actually provide? That the question is nothing. There's nothing in that cave. But I can guarantee you, your DNA is 
completely and utterly unique on this planet. And therefore, even just by sheer rarity, you are valuable. You are more valuable than a diamond. You're more valuable than, uh, uh, I don't know, anything on the planet because you are completely and utterly unique. And it's about figuring out what that code is good for, useful for, what kind of value does that code provide? Do not be afraid to enter that. Uh, If you cannot tell me, when I ask you, what are you good at, really? What are you better at than most people? If you can't say, this, this, these three things, this thing, this gift, you need to go on the journey of the gift. Journey number two. The journey of the craft. I don't remember if that was the voice that I was doing earlier, so I apologize for any of you theater geeks that are like, hey, that's out of character. That wasn't consistent. Uh, The second one is journey of the craft. And the journey of the craft is, okay, you know your gift, and you go in, and your gift determines your industry. It goes along with that step in the creative career path. Um, That's the first journey, figuring out what your gift is. If you know what that is, then you say, who have a gift like me? In this industry, let's say your gift is illustration, and or your gift is music, or your gift is design, or your gift is screenwriting. Well, what type of screenwriter, what genre are you going to write movies in? What, what, uh, where's it fit? Who are your people? That's the journey of the craft. The craft is getting up to snuff. No, learning your craft as good as your people, the people that have a gift like yours. It's the 10,000 hours from uh, Malcolm Gladwell. It's the 10,000 hours getting good, bridging the gap. You know, Jack Antonoff, he wrote the song Brave by Sari Berriolis, Berriolis, Aurora Borealis. Something like that. You know that song? Say what you want to say and let the words come out. I don't remember if that's exactly how it goes. And I do think I maybe missed a few notes there. However, that song was, I I believe, co-written by Jack Antonoff. He was the guitarist of the band Fun. Then he went on to make his own band called Bleachers. I'm a big fan of this man. He's written a bunch of Taylor Swift songs, some Lord songs. Anyway, super talented dude. Bunch of hits under his belt. He really knows his stuff. He's hit his creative transcendence. And so he's someone I've studied. And I've tried to pick up what I can. And one of the things he talks about is finding his people being part of this inflection point. He said that when they had the band Fun... He saw the lead singer, Nate Ruiz, I think his name is. He's the lead singer of Fun. Went and started recording with Pink and a bunch of other people. And he could see like he'd found his people and he was hitting this whole new level. And he didn't really know who his people were. And he thought, I need to find my people. And then the following years, he found his people. People like Taylor Swift and Lord. These and uh, Carly Ray Jepsen. These are his people. These were their, his writing partners. It's the person that helped him become who he wanted to be. And so after you find your gift, you have to find your people. And once you found your people, you have to work on your craft to be as good as the people 
in your market. And so what you need to do is once you go out, you need to work it out in the work. You need to go find out who do you think your people are? What market are they in? You find four of those people, five of those people, six of those people, seven of those people, eight of those. (laughs) One of you is going to reach out and slap me in the face. You knew I was going to just keep going. That's the kind of weird, absurdist, non-comedy that I enjoy. Uh, But you find, say you find four of those people, your people in the area of your gifting. And you go study them and you say, what do they have in common? If it's stuff that they have in common, it is not original or unique to their style. It is what makes them your people. It's what it makes the movement that they're a part of. It makes the market that they're in. So if you find those four people and they have five things all in common with each other, those are things that you need to bridge the gap on. That's the craft. That's how you have to get up to snuff. That's the journey that you need to go on. If you're a rebel, this step might be the hardest step for you. If you're a rule follower, you're going to love this step. And guess what? Both rebels and rule followers make great creative people, but they have to go on all three journeys regardless. I'm getting really passionate about it, man. Because I'm serious. So... You find your people, you see what they have in common, you see what the difference between you and the work you make and them, the work that they make, and it's time to go on a journey. This is journey number two, to bridge that gap. It's the journey of the craft. Ira Glass calls it the gap. He says that, Ira Glass says, it's all of good creativity, good creatives start with good taste. They know what's good and they see their people. These people are good. And then they say, how do I bridge the gap between what I know is good and my work, the fact that my work is bad? How do I make my work as good as my taste? This is Ira Glass's, I'll put the, I've talked about it before, it's the gap, he he has a little video, I'll put it in the show notes if you want to look into that more. But this is how, this is, he talks about the gap, I want to tell you how to bridge it. You bridge it, bridge it by finding your people defining who's good, seeing what they have in common. Let's say it's your people are hand letterers. Well, you take your four favorite hand letters and you say, what do these people have in common? There's, they should have a bunch of differences. If they've really hit their transcendent uh, creative work, then they have gone on the third journey, the journey of innovation. So they should have major differences. But in terms of the way they present themselves, the posts that they make, the stuff that they create, the stuff in the work, stuff about them as a person, stuff about the way they present themselves, all that stuff. Look at everything. Their websites, their, their videos, their photos, their avatars, their everything. Find what these people have in common, make a list, and then label everything on that list, gap or innovation. Gap is everything that you have to bridge. It's the things that you have to develop the craft, the things that you haven't done. If you have things on this list that you're not up to snuff with, let's say it's, you know, some kind of technique that you don't know that they know. It's some kind of, uh, you know, theory you don't understand, classes you have to take. The next journey you have to go on is bridging the gap between what you know is good and your work. Bridging the gap between you and them. How do you make them your people? Does that make sense to you? If you have, if, if you have a big gap between you and your people, you have to go on the journey of the craft. 
It's, it's putting, working it out in the work, getting better at this thing so that you can be, so they can really be your people. That's the second journey. If you're not as good as your people, that's the journey you're stuck on. And if you're a rebel and you don't like the idea of having something in common with another creative person, I just want to tell you, you're making me mad right now. (laughs) I have seen this process worked out in so many people and the rebels avoid this part of the process. And, And a lot of it comes with imposter syndrome. You know, saying, I, I, I'm totally original. I've never been anything like anyone. I, my, my voice came to me in a dream. My creative work, that's how I hit my inflection point. No, every great creative got to where they are. Maybe not everyone. I'm sure there's exceptions to the rules. There always are. But most got to where they are by learning from other people first before they go on the third and final journey, the journey of innovation. So maybe you're stuck on the journey of the craft. No? You already done that? You're already as good as your peers or almost as good or you fit in? Let's talk about the next journey. Last but not least, the third possible journey that you may need to go on to reach your true creative inflection or transcendence. Number three, the journey, the journey of innovation. <laughs> I don't like that voice. It's supposed to be more mysterious. Mm, the journey of the... I don't know. Whatever. You're not interested in my voices. What you're interested in is my hot, fresh, steaming hot, fresh content right in your face. Raw content. Um, here comes the content. Look out. Uh, I'm not re-recording this part. You can just deal with it. The journey of innovation. After you have found your gift, you have developed your craft to fit in with your people. It's time to create your niche. You do this by innovating. You have found your gift. You fit in. Now it's time to stand out. And this is the order in which I believe it really happens. I was watching a video, an interview with George Carlin, famous comedian. You know him only because he completed the third journey. In this video, he talks about how he'd done something like 200 television appearances, but he still hadn't really done it. He hadn't really hit the creative transcendence, as it were. He doesn't use those words, but I do. But he's saying he, he still hadn't attained that thing. You know what? Let me just say this right now. If you're a creative person, I know you know what I'm talking about when I say creative transcendence. That thing, that's what we're looking for. That self-actualization, that self-transcendence, that thing where it's hitting that sweet spot, that flow state, and it's authentic, but it's resonating. (laughs) That voice, very intense, determined voice that I'm going with right now. And he said he hadn't hit it, whatever that thing is. And I think he said he wanted to, his whole career, he wanted to be like Danny Kaye. Danny Kaye, I don't know who that is, but I'm assuming he's a comedian. And he said that, this guy had this mass market appeal. He was like fitting in with the system and like, do, you know, uh, appealed to everybody. And it had this wide success. And he was trying to replicate his hero and he was doing an okay job at it. And there's this moment actually where uh, when he realized that he was a hippie and he was against the system and he'd always been a rebel. So why was he trying to be Danny Kay? 
And it was this moment. And he actually went on live TV and he took a cardboard cutout of his past self, his mass market Danny Kaye impersonator self, and he threw it off stage and said, that George Carlin is dead. And actually, you can't start there. You have to go through the process of becoming like your people before you can go on the journey of innovation and reach that transcendence. But there comes a time where you have to do what your heroes would not do. I say it's, it's Yoda. It's when Yoda tells Luke Skywalker that he has to stay and finish his training. And Luke says, nay! I'm going to say, he's, and then Luke turns into a horse. Nay! I'm not, I don't know why that was that, but Luke says, no, I'm going to save Leia and Han. And it's this moment where you disobey your heroes, when you do what Danny Kay wouldn't have done, that you become you, and it's the path of innovation. Maybe you need to go on a journey, working it out in your work. What does it look like to do things that your heroes would never do? You also hear the same thing with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy says... And by the way, you might not know this now that he's mostly known for Daddy Daycare, but Eddie Murphy was a legend in the comedy space, like beyond belief. And he said his first few years of comedy were trying to be Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor says his first few years of comedy were trying to be Bill Cosby. And it didn't hit that inflection point until they went on Journey 3. Journey of innovation, doing what their heroes wouldn't do, being themselves, not just fitting in, but standing out. And it happens in this path. And the reason I'm so freaking crazy passionate about this is because I've seen it so many times, this pattern. I believe this is the secret sauce, these three journeys. And so if you're in a place where you're as good as your peers, you're up to snuff, you can do the lettering techniques, you can do the jokes, you can do, you can do, you've got the craft. But you're still not seeing it. You're not, it's time to disobey your heroes. If you say, well, I'm kind of like this or I'm kind of interested in that, but nobody ever does that where I'm from. Nobody, my people don't do that. You know, that's not an obstacle. That's an opportunity to be totally different than everyone in your space, to break out into that next stratosphere. You know, for me, it was a podcast. Illustrators don't make business podcasts. It, for me, it was emotional talks. Like designers and illustrators, they get up and they show their portfolio. They don't get up and cry about their mom <laughs> leaving them and having a drug habit. And I thought about it. I thought, I really want to do these emotional, like I'm crying on stage, sharing my heart, trying to you know, say something profound about the human experience on creative, on, on creative professional stages and conferences like that. And, no, and I felt like, yeah, but nobody, none of my people do that. And when I said that, I realized that wasn't a gap. That wasn't one of the gaps that I had to bridge. That was a key to my innovation. And it's what, it's, it's, this is, uh, you know, and it could be something you learn in a different industry. You know, I learned a, a lot from all kinds of different, growing up in different places and going through different industries and being privy to different cultures and all that stuff and finding things that, are very human, things that resonate on a human level that people aren't doing, my people weren't doing, and then doing it there. It's like Dusty Crophopper from the movie Planes. <laughs> it's a Disney movie. He uses his crop dusting techniques to win his race. To win race planes, the planes are going on a race. I don't know. I don't know if planes ever do race. Kind of seems like a stretch to me. But he uses his background in farming 
the thing that makes him different to find that transcendent moment. And so if you have found your gift, you've bridged the gap, you've developed that craft, it might be time to disobey your heroes. Call yourself Andy J. Pizza. None of my heroes would. All my heroes would be like, whoa, what? What are you? Come on, get serious. But that's me. That's my path. That's my journey. What's yours? What are you going to do that no one's ever done instead of saying that as an excuse to not be yourself? Let it be the thing that propels you into creative transcendence. Okay, so those are the three journeys. And the thing about these journeys is it sounds, you know, what's my gift? You know, what's my craft? What's my innovation? Sounds like something you could do in an afternoon. Wrong! You can't do it in an afternoon. Sorry for shouting at you. Uh, <clears throat> let me try that again. Uh, I don't think that's correct. Uh, you're going to have to go on a journey. And that journey is going to be uh, a journey of making art, not a journey of thinking. You're going to have to do what I say again, just working it out in the work. Seth Godin uh, has this idea, and I call it the taste test. And it's this idea that you create it, you have a hypothesis, you create a thing, you give it to 10 friends, and you see if they give it to anybody else. If they don't give it to anybody else, your hypothesis was wrong. This is a test, it can, it can be a taste test. It's where you're saying, I think this is good. This is what I think is good writing. This is, I think this is a good short story. I think this is a good piece of illustration. I think this is a good brand. You give it to 10 friends. If they don't give it to anybody else, you are wrong. Go back to the drawing board quite literally if you happen to be an illustrator. And so you take, you say, if you're at, the, if you're at Journey 1, you're going to make a project. And you're going to say, I think this is my gift. If you're in Journey 2 and you're trying to get better at the craft of writing jokes, making illustration, conceptual work, whatever it is, you say, make a project. Give it out to your followers, a.k.a. your friends. You put, put them out there. And uh, if they don't share it, if they don't rave about it, if they don't remark upon it, it's not remarkable, as Godin would say. That's the taste test. You think, I think I know what innovation is. Make the project. Does it resonate? Is it authentic? Do people remark on it? That's how you work it out. Because the first, your first hypothesis First hypotheses will not be right. And so uh, if you get, if you're, if, let's say, let's say you are on one of these journeys and you've got a few different ideas of projects you could create. Here's what I suggest you do. I say you create two pieces. Let's say there's three albums you could make. Let's say there's three lettering projects you could make. Let's say there's three short stories you could make. I say, if it's short stories, why don't you put out two blog posts that are in the vein of the first idea, two blog posts that are at, in the vein of the second idea, two blog posts that are in this vein of the third idea. See how they resonate. See how authentic they feel to make. Do you get in the flow state? Are you playing, having a good time? Test a few different paths. See which one of them hits hardest and then go deep. Go on the journey get out of your head get onto the page and baby let it ride 
If you just thought to yourself, what is that song that Andy's singing? It's not a song yet. I just invented it. Work it out in the work. Do the taste test. Go on the journey. If you don't know, have I found my gift? Have I developed my craft? Have I really innovated? If you're asking yourself that question, the answer is no, you haven't. Because it's a long journey. And once you've gone on it, you're sure of it. You're like, man, that was a heck of a journey. And then beyond all that, maybe you've done that all before. Maybe you've hit an inflection point. Maybe you're past an inflection point. I was just watching a video with Will Smith, him talking about what it was like to be making Independence Day and, and making Men in Black and saying that he felt like every basketball he shot went in until he made Wild Wild West and he turned down the Matrix. And at that point, he'd already gone through finding his gift. He'd already gone through finding his craft. He'd already gone through innovating I, don't, I might be the first person to have called Men in Black innovation, but hey, I'm, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and at that time, guess what? You got to go all through it again. You're a different person. After that much time, your gift is going to change because you've gone through a new experience. You're different on a molecular level. Every seven years, your cells regenerate. You're not even the same molecular person you were seven years ago. And Lorne Michaels said, about Chevy Chase, he said the problem with Chevy Chase was that he never reinvented himself. People like Steve Martin, he had a stand-up career, he had a comedy movie career, and then he had a serious movie career. Now he's a banjo player. Who knows what's going on there? I don't follow the banjo world. But you've got to, if you've done all three, and now you're feeling like the inflection moment has passed, it might be time for reinvention. It's a cyclical process. You might have noticed <clears throat> that I got a little bit excited from time to time on the, on this episode. Uh, get a little bit passionate when it comes to the three journeys. Why? Why? Why do I care if you find your creative transcendence? Well, I'm going to break your heart real quick. It's not because I love creative work that much, although I do. I do love creativity, and I do love when people are making their creative work. But the, but, the, but the because is because I believe, and I really, believe, I really mean this, and I, it's hard for me to be this serious on the podcast when I'm sat here by myself, not talking to anybody, but I'm trying to realize that I am in your earbud right now, in your headphone, in your uh, studio speaker, and we're having a moment right now. Me and you, and I'm going to try to get my most sincerest heart because I know that I believe that these three journeys are the reason why we're on this planet. I developed this process uh, several years ago, over several years, and honestly, it wasn't so much developing it as it felt like uncovering up this pattern of finding your gift, developing your craft, innovating into an original voice. And as soon as I uncovered it, I saw it everywhere. It felt like seeing the Matrix for the first time. It felt like Emmett on the Lego movie where he's seeing all the numbers and he becomes the master builder. I could see it in philosophy. I could see it in religion. I could see it in the lives of my creative heroes. I could see it in mythology. I could see it in the hero's journey. And I discovered that quote from David Ascott. Uh, I almost fell off my chair when I saw it for the first time. It goes, the purpose of life is, is to discover your gift, 
The work of life is to develop it. The meaning of life is to give your gift away. That's it. It's my, it's my worldview. I believe in this thing. The purpose of life is to discover your gift. This journey taps into your desire. You know, we can't live without desire. They did an experiment on rats where they took out the dopamine, the desire in their brain. And guess what? They gave up. They quit eating. They quit doing, they quit exercising. They quit doing anything. This died. We have to have that desire and that, that journey to find what our gift is. It inflames that desire. It gives us purpose. The work of life is to develop that gift once we find it. Developing a craft that we get so good at that we lose sense of we lose our sense of time and space. The songs write themselves, the pictures draw themselves. We're in touch with that deep subconscious craft where it's, it knows how to do the thing better than we know, and it's called the flow state. And it's one of life's truest sources of joy. That's a scientific fact. The meaning of life is to give your gift away, not somebody else's gift, not your hero's gift, not the people you learn the craft from. It's your gift. And nothing is more meaningful than knowing that you have work, that if you don't show up and do it, no one's going to do it. Like if, if, if someone doesn't draw invisible things, make invisible things visible through drawing them, someone tackle that weird esoteric strange work, nobody's going to do that. If somebody doesn't show up and make this weird creative career podcast where you cry, where I cry and I laugh and I act strange and I try to get that pep, pep in, in your step every single week, if I don't show up, nobody will. And it's that unique gift. Nobody could make a podcast like this. Nobody could draw these invisible things, these weird things that I'm drawing. It gets me out of bed in the morning. It gives me meaning to do a project that only I can do. So that's what it's about. That's why I get so freaking stoked about this. So what's stopping you? Because when you've got this stuff, when you've got your gift and you've developed it and you've innovated and it's yours, it's your creative voice, that fuel is the most concentrated, cleanest, purest fuel known to man. It's built the best things that humans have ever built. And I freaking love when I meet somebody and they are dripping with the gift and the craft and the innovation. You can see they're, they're in a transcendent state. And boy, do I love meeting people like that. And boy, do I want to meet more people like that. I want more people to become that. That's why I'm talking to you right now. Because I just, I'm selfish. And I freaking love meeting people like that. And I need more of them. And I want you to become one. Or become one again if you're reinventing yourself. So what's stopping you from going on these three journeys? They're threshold guardians. They're guardians blocking the gate, blocking the path. Let me identify some of them for you that you might be facing. If you're too afraid to go on the path of finding your gift, you might be facing a threshold guardian known as the fear of not having a gift. Is there someone stopping your path, an ogre, a troll under the bridge that says, you don't want to go down that path. You don't want to go in that cave. Keep BSing. Keep pretending like you already found the gift. You know, uh, Epicurious, Epicure, Epicurious, that's a magazine about something or other, maybe food. Epicurus is his name. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm no scholar. Uh, he was a philosopher. He said, you can't learn what you think you already know. And if you keep going around BSing like you found your gift when you know you haven't, you can only get so far and you'll never hit that inflection. You'll never hit that transcendence. And if you listen to that troll that says you don't want to look in that cave, that cave where you're looking for your gift, you might find nothing. Well, let me tell you something. You are on this planet. You have a unique code. Nobody has the code or the experiences that you have. And you are specially equipped with special strengths that nobody else has. There is something in that cave. Push that fear of not having a gift past. What about the lie of pride? Maybe you were brought up in a situation where believing that you were special or had some kind of strength was looked down upon, looked as egotism or pride or, oh, tall poppy syndrome. You ever heard of that? You know, the poppy that grows the tallest, gets the most abuse, gets cut down. It's like, oh, you think you're so special with your special gifts. Well, guess what? I do. I'm going to do it first. I believe I'm really cute. Now, I wasn't proud of it for a long time because I'm a 32-year-old man and uh, typically... 32-year-old men don't pride themselves in being cute, but guess what? That's what's special about me. When you take a photo of me, I look like a seven-year-old kid because of the joy that's beaming from my face. And that's special. I can make really cute drawings of little cute cloud characters cuddling each other, and it brings, it warms your heart. I've got cuteness. I've got the gift of cuteness. I've got the gift of weirdness. I can be not boring for long periods of time. It's one of my gifts. I'm owning it. What are yours? You've got some. And quit believing the lie that having the confidence in your special, unique superpowers is some kind of sin. It's not. It's why you're here. Push past that troll. You just say, look, this is why I'm here. Maybe you don't want to go on the, the journey of finding your craft, developing your craft. Maybe it's imposter syndrome that says, I'm, you're not allowed to learn from anybody else. You can't be like anybody else. Well, we wouldn't have uh, Eddie Murphy if there was no Richard Pryor. We'd have no George Carlin if there was no whoever else he said. You've got to learn from people. I don't care what anybody says about creativity. You've got to learn from people. And it starts with being a little bit of an imposter, learning from somebody else before you have your gift. You gotta get that before you transcend to the next stage. Maybe it's because you're a rebel. Maybe you say, I don't even, you know, from Family Guy, the, there's a kid in high school that says, I don't play by anybody's rules. I don't even play by my own rules. I don't remember what the punchline is there, but <laughs> maybe that's you. <laughs> maybe the punchline is me being such an idiot thinking I had a joke in my bag of tricks and I didn't, but, uh, Maybe you don't play by anybody's rules and it's time you become humble enough to be a student and quit saying, I'm so original, nobody teaches me anything. Well, you're not going to make it to the final journey. Journey number three, what's stopping you? What are your threshold guardians? Maybe it's, uh, maybe you think, Maybe the troll is this thing that says, what if I make a mistake by breaking the rules? Well, you're darn tootin' right you're going to make a mistake. That's called breaking the rules. If you're not making a quote-unquote mistake, you're not making creative work. The only way to be creative is to break the rules. You've got to make mistakes, get dirty, mess it up. Well, maybe you won't go on that path because you think, Maybe I'm not unique. Well, baloney, you're definitely unique. You have 
DNA that no one in existence will has ever had or will ever have. And your experience is unique to you. And maybe one individual trait here or there isn't that unique, but the sum of your parts, it's never been done. what the world needs ask what makes you come alive and go do it because what the world needs is people who have come alive i love that quote and uh you know it gets to the last thing i want to say to you which is you know i get a lot of i get a you know i get some mail some actual mail emails messages dms if you will that say Thank you so much for this selfless thing that you do with this podcast, that you're giving out this advice and you're showing up every week to, uh, you know, help us come alive. And I just think, man, should I tell them the truth that this is the most selfish endeavor I could possibly be, be doing? And what do I mean by that? I mean that what makes me come alive is watching other people come alive. My life Me coming alive, my life depends on your life. It depends on you coming alive. And I got to tell you something, that threshold guardian that's stopping you from going on your three journeys, it's not a troll under the bridge. It's in you. It's you. And you have got to get out of your way so you can get on your way. And if you don't get out of your way, I'm going to push you out of your way because you coming alive is what makes me come alive. And my life depends on it because you know why? Because I need more podcasts to listen to. (laughs) That might not make sense, but you know what I like to listen to? I like to listen to podcasts with creative people who have gone on these three journeys and they are alive. And let me tell you, sometimes it's hard to find a podcast with one of these pulses, one of these people who are just brimming with life, who've gone on the journey. They're battle-worn. They've got blood. They've got guts. They've got, they've done it, man. They push the troll one, troll two, troll three out of the way. And baby, they are transcendent. And I need more podcasts to listen to. And that's why I'm here talking to you, pushing you past you and saying, check it out. We're going to get you to Transcendence, baby. We're going to get you on these podcasts because I need some more people alive so that I can live. Let's do it. Let's do it.